Hello and welcome to Touchline from myself, Kasper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Kas. Nice uh, being back in studio and looking forward to this week's discussions we're going to have regarding the more so the Autumn Nations Cup. Yes, but let's start with congratulations to Mr. Brian van Sale and Dr. Lula Botler. Brian being reared or being elected as president of KZNRU and then Dr. Lulu uh, moving back into the position of deputy president. Brian making a very welcome return to the top structure of KZNRU. I think the appointment is, is well deserved. Um, he's held higher honours than that in the past. Um, I had the privilege of sitting in um, in council with him in the DRSU panel um, for a, for a few years, and he's a man that shoots straight from the hip. He asks the right questions to the right people. Um, I think he's a no-nonsense guy, but I think it's uh, we're in the right hands, and I think he's definitely going to be benefit to, to KZN Rugby. Well, I haven't heard any negative comments with regards to his election today, and he was unopposed, so I believe he will... He will do a sterling job. Yeah, no, I think he's got backing of quite a few people, and it's great. We need someone that we could look up to, that we trust that can take our, our rugby forward. And, and, you know, this year has been such a bad one for for rugby in the world. Um, but to get an appointment like this, just as South African season starts again and lo local club rugby, um, I wish him well. And he's got my 150% backing and looking forward to, to him taking us forward. So from Touchline and Mums and Toti Rugby Club, congratulations to Brian and Dr. Lulu. May you serve well. Definitely. Then some calling Curry Cup news. Pakisa Pumas, 22. Tafelaga Griqua, 17. Xerox Lions, 22. DHL Western Province, 19. Varukom Bulls, 40. And Toyota Cheetahs, 13. You say a couple of interesting interesting games? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, if we if we start with uh, the Pumas, Pumas game on Friday night against Krikwas, um, I think it's two, two teams that are that are battling slightly um, to, to find their feet in, in the in the Curry Cup and obviously it started with Super Rugby unlocked. Um, they are bottom of the log. And both of them obviously wanted to win to, uh, to prove a point. Um, Griquas have really battled completely. I don't think they've actually won a game. Um, they haven't won a game. So, and it's sad. And, and the whole game was actually quite a, quite a scrappy affair. Um, but ultimately, the, the Pumas pulled it through. And, um, you know, from, a, from the two so-called smaller unions, um, I wish them well because we, we really need rugby in South Africa to grow at all, all routes. Yes. So, um, and, and for them, you know, it's, uh, the smaller unions always battle against the bigger ones, more so this year that we got most of our Springboks playing. So it makes it difficult for them, but uh, a good result at the end of the day for the Pumas. And then Western Province actually had a chance to, to leapfrog the Sharks having a bye this last weekend. And... They they couldn't do it. Yeah, if you if you had a look at that, I think obviously province are battling themselves. Um, they they haven't really stepped up to the plate as everyone expected they would this year. 
They've also a new, new management, although not new in that sense, because uh, Dobson himself has been part of the franchise for a while. But, um, you know, you need to give credit to the Xerox Lions. Uh, they played some very good rugby. They put the Western Province under a lot of pressure. And ultimately, I think it's a, it's a true reflection of the game. Um, Western Province are, are really battling. And, you know, as a coach myself, you need to ask the question, what is the problem there? If it's a belief thing, if it's the structures or whatever, because they've got great players. There's no two ways about that. But they're just not firing on all cylinders. So... Hopefully for, for the southern side of South Africa, they would uh, start playing the way we know they can play. Wasn't it also a case of a bit, little bit of uh, frustration if you look at um, the front rowers that kept on talking to the, especially Kutsov, talking to the referee after each scrum and where they were penalised for illegal scrummaging and it's, it just seemed like they, they were a bit frustrated. Yeah, I don't think it's it's just the game itself. I think it's something that has crept into into the union for a while. I mean, they got off the field politics at that province at the moment as well, with regards to moving stadia and you know getting a, a title sponsor on board and so forth. So I think there's more to it than just playing affairs. Um, you know, when you refer to the scrums, a scrum is a, it's a massive part of a game. Don't get me wrong. But it's a small portion of the game, you know, so you need to look at it collectively. And I really don't think province are on the same level where they believe they could be or where South Africa and the world knows they can play at. So I think there's more to it than that at the moment. And I think the only people that can that can answer that is management themselves. So, um, But it doesn't look good from outside. Um, but I wish them well. I mean, they are one of the forces in South African rugby. They are ones that are more often than not right at the top. And um, let's hope they can, they can turn it around. And then the Bulls, Cheetahs, the Bulls denying the Cheetahs scoring a point in the second half and actually running away with the game, playing some brilliant rugby. And it seems like the players were allowed to play what's in front of them. Look, I think uh, the Bulls have come a long way, obviously, this year under Jake White. Um, the Cheetahs themselves had a... Had a point to prove as to um, what they can do. They're the only team that have beaten the Bulls this year. So I think they would have backed themselves. And uh, the first half the first half was a, was an ugly affair. You know, nothing really happened. I think it was 13 all at halftime, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and obviously, I'm assuming Jake White had some stern words with his charges. And the second half, they really outplayed the Cheetahs and they played some wonderful rugby. They scored some good tries. Um, you know, they've... Uh, I think it's all the, the older statesmen that Jake has brought back um, that really stood up to the plate. And, but I think, obviously, one needs to have a look at the first half where I think it's myself and a matter of a battle that tight that prop. Um, he was nowhere to be found. And you don't see this often, but it's the second time this this year. I think the once was in the, in the Super Rugby Unlocked, if I'm not mistaken, and now the one in the Curry Cup where... You know, he was actually replaced before half-time. And then when Nyakani came on, it was a different ball game. And yeah. obviously Nyakani is a tight head that kept the, the scrum square as to where the Bulls can launch their attacks from. And I think they just they just built on the momentum from there on in. And they were unstoppable in the second half. And, you know, that that is good for South African rugby. I know I say it quite often, but the Bulls have to be strong for South African rugby to be good. 
um, there's a change of mindset, there's a change of atmosphere, there's a change, quite a few changes that's happening at, at the Bulls. And, um, you know, you have to say it's a Jake White influence. So um, good for them. You're talking about Trevor, um, he actually won two penalties in the loose as well, going down, stealing balls. And uh, he actually no, played strong. like a loose mm. forward. No, he's strong over the ball. So, yeah. And he's definitely one of our, one of our key, key players. Then the points standing in the Curry Cup at the moment, the Bulls on top with 32 points, Sharks in second place with 24 points, Western Province at 21, Lions at 20, Cheetah 17, Pumas 11, and Griquas holding up the log at five points. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting. Um, as we said, you know, the, the, the Sharks obviously had a bye this weekend. Um, hence the fact that the Bulls are quite quite a few points ahead of them. Eight points ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, not their fault either. Um, I read something interesting today where people were actually commenting to say that it is unfair that the teams carried their points over from Super Rugby Unlocked into the Curry Cup because of the COVID that that it teams like Western Province, the Sharks and the and the Cheetahs and so forth and the Lions. Lions. Because the Bulls and Griquas, I think it is, are the only two teams that, that haven't been affected yes. negatively by it. Um but I mean you can't you can't look at something like that as everyone knew exactly what the what the ruling was um going into the tournament. So it could have been anyone else, you know. No, but then so, how do you argue Griquas being bottom of the log? No, and definitely. the Bulls being top of the log. Yeah, well, obviously. Then, then obviously Griquas would have benefited from that as well. Correct, but obviously they haven't been winning. So um, where the Bulls have won all their games and, and some of the teams didn't play too. The so, Sharks, Sharks also lost the game due to COVID and they're still second on the log. No, well, that's what the people are saying. So had the Sharks played that game, they would obviously have been on 26 points for argument's sake and within, within reach. But and if the Lions played their two games, then they <laughs> might have been second as well. No, 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 correct. So you can argue this any way you want. No, it's 100%. But, but I think the main thing is to, to have a look at what's happened. And without a doubt, I think even their worst critics would agree that the Bulls are deserved to be at the top. They've probably played the better brand of rugby of, of everyone else. They've got the structures, and they've and what they've done is they've they've reinstated the the self belief, and they believe they can they can actually do this. So um, and good for them. Uh, they've always been a powerhouse in South African rugby. Um, the last few years, obviously, things have gone a bit haywire, but I think Jake White, whatever he's done, um, has actually done quite well for for the Bulls and the and the youngsters that are there. Is they are obviously ones that are reaping the rewards because the old guys. Or showing them the ropes. Um, their fly-off was saying that he has learned so much from from Mordenay Stain since he's been there. It's it's the most he's ever learned, uh, which is great because that's what we want. We want our old Springboks to give back to the youngsters. And that's probably exactly what Jake White wanted to groom his youngsters into better players. Definitely, because I think as any coaches, you don't only focus on now. You look at the future. And he knows, I don't know what the contracts are, but he knows a guy like Mornay Stein might only have a year or two left. Cornell Hendricks might only have a year or two left. Dwayne von Mullen said he'll play until he can't walk anymore. Um, but he probably only has a year or two left. And, and the young guys coming through there need to take over from them. So, um, and that's the important part. Those names you just named now, those are the guys that you want to look at your, your future coaching staff as well. Definitely. Guys that can give back to the game. 
No, most definitely. And I mean, so many players nowadays do end up in the coaching side. You look at the Lions, that's got um, Warren, that is there now helping the forwards yes. and the lineouts. Um, he still wants to play, but I mean, he's young enough to give back. Um, yes. Lode Jager in the North versus South, or the Green versus the Gold teams when we played, he was drafted into to assist with the lineouts a little bit, and, and that's great. Uh, that's what we need. They've got all the experience, so they need to give back to rugby. Then moving on to the Autumn Nations Cup, we saw England 22, France 19, Wales 38, Italy 18, Ireland 31, Scotland 16, and then Georgia 24, Fiji 38. Yeah, that was interesting, the Autumn Nations Cup, and I think the highlight, rightfully so, was the, was the England-France game on Sunday, but starting with, with the Georgia-Fiji game, um, obviously it was the first time that Fiji took part in the Autumn yes. Nations Cup because of COVID. They didn't play their previous three games, I think it was. Um, but let me tell you, they actually played very well. Um, they've got some massive players, good ball carriers, lots of speed, obviously a lot of skill. You see that in the sevens game. Um, in Georgia, Georgia held out, but the Fijians were just too big and just too strong. Um, and it's a pity they could only play one game. I think um, they might have upset the odd, the odd team as well. Um, maybe not ending last or maybe not going to the finals or whatever, but I think they would definitely have made a, made a big difference. And, and maybe it was just the fact that they were given the green light to play and they wanted to express themselves and there was nothing obviously for, for them to, to be concerned about. But they thoroughly deserved their 38-24 win over Georgia. Then the... Ireland-Scotland game? Yeah, I think that was a bit of a disappointment in the sense of Scotland. Um, yes. Only scoring 16 points and allowing Ireland Expected to score Expected much 31. more from Scotland. Yeah. Um, you know, firstly, we need to have a look at uh, the, the talk in the town in Scotland as well. And, and a lot of people are saying it's a, becoming a South African side with a lot of South African influence. Um, I think one needs to pick your best side and then they... Their coach said as well, he's got no quabbles in selecting whoever's available, whether they're from South Africa or from Scotland, although like all over the world, you'd like to select from your own nation first. But I mean, the guys that have been playing there have been playing in Scotland for a number of years now. And Jakub van der Walt himself, um, he just became eligible. So um, sad for South Africa to, to lose these guys, but rugby is a professional sport. It's, it's like a business in itself. And obviously, if, they, if they're not going to be looked at in their own countries, then the adoptive countries uh, can take advantage of that. Yeah. But it's great to see South African flag Talking about Jaku then making his debut for Scotland this weekend. Yes, and, it, and it, normally um, a lot of the guys that make debuts and that play off the bench and so forth. And, you know, Gregory Townsend, their coach, said he... He's got a lot of faith in, in Yaku. He's a good ball carrier. He's a good distributor. He's a good defender. And he thrust him straight into the 10 channel. And I think Yaku actually did quite well. And obviously, from South Africa, we know him. He played for the Lions. Um, he is a good player. I think he's only 25 now. So, I mean, if they if they all produce the goods and, and the Scottish Rugby Union and the coach, Gregor Townsend, is, is happy with him, they all might feature in the next World Cup. Well, and then if you look at the other players that were playing for Scotland... Uh, Duan van der Merwe, uh, Oli Kebel and BPNL, 
they all made their mark. Definitely. I mean, Vipinella has been there for a, for a number of years already. I think yeah. he's played in one or two World Cups for, for Scotland. Um, Oli Kebel is from Western Province. So is Vipinella. Um, my immigrating to, to Scotland and then making his debut. But I think the person we need to speak about is this uh, Dwayne van der Merwe. Um, it's our very own Akka van der Merwe's younger brother. Yeah. Uh, he's a massive left wing. Um, he's been phenomenal. And he is well deserved. I, I speak under correction as well. He was he was his province or his club's player of the year, um, and without a doubt, he's one of the finds in in Scotland. He is, but then if you look at the South Africans in all the other sides, if you talk about Wales, Italy, Italy's got a couple of South yeah. Africans in their side. Yeah, so is so is Ireland. I mean, and you know, Ireland's got CJ Stander. Yeah, so if we we well represented all over the show, France themselves, um, France got two. We've got Flock Salia, who's their kicking coach. Yes, I mean their kicking game has come on in leaps and bounds, and and well done to him um, and the French coaching staff. Um, and and talking of that specific game, um, what a final! <laughs> what a final that was. Um, you know, if if you look at the game, everyone wrote France off because the word out there is that the French feel that they're second to third side. It's not even the A side. And many youngsters coming through that played in the last two World Cups, under under 20, 20 World Cup. And um, I think they're definitely building on, well, that's what the coach said. Uh, Galtier said he's building for the next World Cup in France, 2023. And I think they're definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with. I mean, they held England right until the end. Um, going mm. into extra time, they actually led into injury time and, and England scored a try and Farrell had to convert that to, to take them into injury time. And then obviously the the extra time was a sudden death, so whoever scored first. And uh, unluckily for, for, for England, it turned out to, to their benefit, but uh, Farrell had an off day. I think he only converted 50% of his kicks. So right in the beginning of extra time, he had a penalty kick at the poles, which he missed, and then France came back, and then it was turnover. But it was the second part of the uh, second half and the extra time where finally they got a penalty to, to slot it. And, you know, when I say well-deserved win, I mean, a win is a win at the end of the day. You play, all teams play for the same prize at the end of the day. Um, England, I think, are a long shot of where they need to be. There's a lot of criticism happening in England. Eddie Jones today criticised the people, criticising his players to say, but they need to understand where they're coming and they're also rebuilding and so on and so forth. But the people are going, well, French produced the second to third team technically playing against the top side of, of, of England. And rightfully so, it is probably true. But having said that, any any team um, needs a pat on the back to, to win a cup. That's the first time they played for that cup, the Autumn Nations Cup, obviously because the Southern Hemisphere couldn't tour. Um, ultimately, they went through their round undefeated and they won it. So um, I think the, the the team needs to be patted on the back as well to, to show that they can stick it out because in the World Cup final, they faded with South Africa playing so well. But they stuck their guns, you know, and, and they, they wanted to win and they made it happen. And the young team, the youngsters from, from France, obviously couldn't handle that pressure. But well done to Eddie Jones and, and to England. Well, Eddie Jones has done massive work in England. 
thus far, and uh, he, you can see his hand in this. Well, he knows how to win. I, 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 you, you are right, 100% correct within, within the England setup, but I mean all over the world. He's a master class when, when South Africa yes. won the World Cup, uh, the, what's it, eight years ago, 12 years ago, sorry, um, under Jake White. I mean, Eddie Jones had a hand in that because he was he part did. of South Africa. Yeah. He took, if I'm not mistaken, he took Australia to the final. Obviously, they lost. Took England to the final, they lost. Um, we played Japan in an unfamous Lost to Japan. He was the coach there. He, and was he the changed coach. things around in Japan. So he's a quality coach. Um, I just think sometimes it's it's the way he conducts himself that people get a bit of annoyed. But I mean, you can't fault him as a coach. He's a brilliant coach. He's a he's very technically sound, and um, you know he's definitely one to watch going forward. Well, you're talking about the coaches, and if you put coaches' names down, Jake White and Eddie Jones, probably two of the big ones. Jake White. Now showing with the Bulls what he can do, and Eddie Jones once again with England shows what he can do. No, in fact, and I mean they they're good friends as well. But I mean Jake White, when when uh, he left South Africa as a South African coach after we won the World Cup, he went to the Brumbies and they were nowhere. And he took their first year there, if I'm not mistaken, as well. He took them to the to the Super Rugby final. Um, from there, he went overseas. I think he was at Toulon or start the France. Um, one of those, one of those clubs. Um, he actually did well there, you know. So they criticise him being old school and he doesn't play attacking rugby and and so forth. But sometimes as a coach, you need to stick to your strengths, whoever your players are that you've got on board to play. Having said that, a lot of a lot of the old school stuff is back at the Bulls. You can see that. Yes. But I think the Bulls have expanded a little bit. They're not just a kicking side anymore. They can attack. They got some exciting youngsters. Um, so. All credit to Jake White. Well, if you well, look I at the defence and, and, and on the loose ball, I mean, the Bulls, you can see Jake White. Yeah, you, no, You can definitely. clearly see Jake no, White. 100%. There. But I think, I think it has been tweaked slightly, you know, from an it attacking has. point of view. It has. It's no this boring, boring 10-man rugby anymore or whatever. Um, you know, you can't play like that. Sometimes it's good because your defence is strong. Um, South Africa proved, proved that in the, in the World Cup until we got to the final. Then Rashi changed some of our tactics. Um, so it's possible, but ultimately, and, and Eddie Jones said this today, if they win poorly, his team gets criticised. If they try and play the expansive game and they lose, his team will get criticised. So what do you want? You shouldn't want to play poorly and win, or you want to play nice and exciting rugby and lose. Obviously, you're there to play and win. So, um, and it's a national side, so you don't want to let your country go go down and, and lose to whoever the case might be. So, as a coach. As players, I think you will do anything in your power to make sure you get that W at the end of the game. No matter how it looks like. Correct. And then obviously we have a look at the conclusion of the Tri-Nations where New Zealand were crowned Tri-Nations champions 2020. But I think where one needs to focus on is how the teams actually performed, where both New Zealand and Australia battled slightly. New Zealand winning two and losing two. And Australia only winning one, losing one, and then drawing two. But I think where one needs to concentrate on is how Argentina actually fared in the Tri-Nations. The fact that they were isolated for a while with, with COVID cases. But the way they played, um, drawing two games against Argentina and beating the All Blacks for the first time, I think they are definitely 
worthwhile mentioning, and it's just a pity that they couldn't pull it through at the last hurdle. But congratulations to New Zealand on a, on a good uh, tournament and obviously rebuilding as well. And may that continue. Then just lastly, we spoke about the fan award for the men's and sevens player of the decade. Um, and there we spoke about South Africa's very own Peter Stefter Toy that stood a good chance in the 15 men's game and Werner Koch in the sevens. But ultimately the fans have spoken and as I predicted earlier on, Richie McCall from New Zealand won the 15th player of the decade hands down and congratulations to him on a decade of, of brilliant rugby and I think it's well deserved not only as a player but as a leader. And then uh, with regards to the sevens, we spoke about New Zealand, we spoke about Werner Koch and we also mentioned Fiji and it's exactly that. The Fijians came through there, Jeremy Tawai, he was the one that was voted player decade for the sevens. And then just in rounding off, as I said, the team of the decade was also announced um, it's good to see that, uh, obviously, in the last 10 years, New Zealand have dominated world rugby. They had seven All Blacks, that part of the team of the decade. The Springboks in South Africa had three, with Ireland leading with two, Australia one, Italy one, and Wales. And just from a South African perspective, congratulations to Tendai, the Beast, and Torreira. He was selected in the team of the decade as number one. Bismarck Duplessis, number two, and the flying winger Brian Abana was selected as the left wing of the team of the decade. Just to run through them quickly, if I can, uh, number one, Tendai Mturira, two, Bismarck Duplessis, three, Owen Franks, four, Brody Retallick, five, Sam Whitelock, six, David Pocock, seven, Richie McCaw, eight, Sergio Parise, nine, Connor Murray, 10, Dan Carter, 11, Brian Abana, 12, Maanonu, 13, Brian O'Driscoll, 14, George North, and 15, Ben Smith. So to all those players that were selected in the team of the decade and obviously to their countries that you did proud, well done and congratulations. Thank you, Mark. Not, not much rugby going on. That brings us to the, the end of this discussion. Thanks, Gus. And uh, just uh, in closing, I want to say that the Sharks, I'm not going to go into all the Curry Cup this weekend, but the Sharks had a bye, obviously, last weekend. Yes. Speaking of Jake White, that's why I'm bringing it in. Um, the Sharks will be hosting the Bulls here in Durban on this coming weekend. Good luck, so, Sean. Good luck to Sean Everett and, and the rest of the Sharks teams. And let's hope we can um, compete against the Bulls. I think they proud. deserve it. Sure they will. Make make that eight-point deficit a three-point deficit. From our side, yes, Gus, thanks a lot. Uh, nice chatting some rugby again. Um, looking forward to all the exciting games happening this week and until next weekend. From Touchline, myself, Casper Els and Mark Cameron, have a great rugby week.